Hello and welcome to Lifetimes of Learning, a production at the Buddhist Discussion Centre Australia. In our podcast series, we'll be discussing the teachings and principles of Buddha Dharma, which is just as relevant today as they were 2,600 years ago. In this podcast, we'll cover a teaching written by the Buddhist Discussion Centre Australia called The Practice of Renunciation. Wherever you are, we invite you to bring your mind inside and listen to the teachings of the Buddha. The Practice of Renunciation It is true for many of us that we seem to be perpetually caught in the gravitational orbit of our habitual sense of I. We have stumbled upon the great benefit available from learning and practicing the Buddha Dharma but do not generate from outside enough sense of urgency and purpose to begin to overcome the power of this mental undertow that has kept us ignorant and suffering until now. Our worldly views and refuges resurface with such persistence, it is difficult to live in accordance with what we know would be more beneficial having studied the Dharma or, in other words, to live our life with Buddha Dharma on top. In 1998, our founder, John D. Hughes, wrote an article about the role of the World Fellowship of Buddhists, which is reprinted in part below and was published in full in our publication, Buddha Dhyana Dhana Review, Volume 8, Number 3, 1998, page 53. The Role of the World Buddhaship of Buddhas In this world of materialistic progress, we may notice the nature of human mind, types of problems and the law of nature. Satya Dharma remains the same as ever. As to the nature of human mind, we are still tempted and governed more or less by our own defilements. For example, We feel happy with gain and miserable with loss. We hardly cope with problems arising from our own defilements. Apart from this, all types of problems in this world, for example, social, environmental and economic, have existed in this world from the beginning. They only vary in degree. We have to struggle with them in all times. Finally, the law of nature, Satcha Dharma, as revealed by the Lord Buddha, has never changed. It is timeless and enlightens the way toward the end of all problems. Having learned all this, we may know how to cope with the problems and challenges. Number one, since the world problems remain the same, we have no need to search for new things to cope with. The only thing we should should do is to try to understand the law of nature which is the truth of the universe. As to the nature of mind and its relation to defilements, we need to clearly understand it in, in accordance with the Buddha's word that is, mind is superior to and govern all things. Our mind originates our speech and action. That is, a good mind yields a good speech and a, and a good action and vice versa. Knowing this, we should try to attain spiritual development through a proper education, 
meditation, and so on, and practice accordingly. Particularly young people today are our future. If they are educated properly according to the Lord Buddha's teaching until they can cultivate their moral consciousness and sense of responsibility, they will go up to become good human beings in their adulthood. They thus will positively contribute much to the world. Our future truly depends on our youth's spiritual training. Number two, we need to propagate the Lord Buddha's teachings as we declare in our WFB's charter and resolutions. The World Fellowship of Buddhists is well aware of these challenges of the world. We are working and preparing some new projects in order to help Buddhists and other cope with them properly. For example, according to the WFB Resolution 12-2521 in 1978, all regional centres of WFB in different parts of the world should make special efforts to propagate the ethical teachings of the Buddha, the signs of deliverance, to educate the misled people to give up their psychological craving for drugs and lead a useful and law-abiding life to provide opportunities for citizens from all walks of life, as well as cooperating with the leaders of other religions to find out ways and means of solving this serious problem. Number three, we need to initiate globalization through a positive scientific technique and promote an interdependent cooperation. All we need is a healthy world, not a prosperous world. We have enough of a material growth. Now we need a world that we can live together in harmony and peaceful happiness. The article above states our modern problem of living are not new. The fundamental conditions we experience as human beings living in the world remain the same as ever because of the nature of our human mind and the laws of nature which govern our existence. The Buddha teachings, however, identified the urgent need for us to not be mesmerized and dominated by our ongoing struggle just to live in the world as that approach will never produce an end to the problems which will continue to appear endlessly in our future experiences. The Buddha points the way each for himself and herself to remove our short-sighted and limited worldview through understanding our existence is framed by the nature of our mind and the nat- natural laws which govern us. With regard to the nature of human mind, the article above identifies we are still tempted and governed more or less by our own defilements. For example, we feel happy with gain and miserable with loss. We hardly cope with problems arising from our own defilements. It is true for many of us that we seem to be perpetually caught in the gravity orbit of our habitual sense of I. We have stumbled upon the great benefit available from learning and practicing the Buddha Dharma, but do not generate from our side enough sense of urgency and purpose to begin to overcome the power of this mental undertow that has kept us ignorant and suffering until now. 
Our worldly views and ravages resurface with such persistence. It is difficult to live in accordance with what we know would be more beneficial having studied the Dharma, or in other words, to live our life with Buddha Dharma on top. According to the Macquarie Dictionary 1991, to renounce means to give up or put aside voluntarily. Daniel O'Dear, in his book Nirvana Tao, The Secret Meditation Techniques of Taoists and Buddhist Masters, in 1986, writes, Renunciation, the third parameter, can be considered the foundation stone not only of the other virtues but also of meditation. Renunciation is the basis of everything in Buddhism. Renunciation can be the greatest stumbling block on the way to meditation. Its realization is an extremely important step in the disciple's life. The Buddha, as Jesus and nearly all the great teachers, make it the primary virtue that allows one to enter easily into the contemplative life and to arrive quickly at the realization of the teaching. The greater the renunciation, the faster the progress. The renunciation is the second obstacle that Westerners prefer to forget in the study and practice of Buddhism. Everyone who is honest with himself or herself knows that Without sacrifices and efforts, no method will permit the blossoming of concentration and the interior vision. There are many differences between minds that have worldly refuges on top and minds that have Buddha Dharma refuge number one. To begin with, the worldly refuge minds will allow little or no space for moment-by-moment Buddha Dharma learning and practice. The available mental space of worldly minds is being unceasingly occupied by any number of worldly concerns such as, for example, dwelling on problems or issues, being distracted, the urge to be busy, our refuge in physical comfort, the desire to be entertained, restlessness, daydreaming and so on. These worldly minds are in a Dharma sense out of control. Then there are our worldly refuges, which we always choose to deal with first, and sometimes exclusively as an unquestioned priority. This could be our job, our family, our wealth accumulation. However, the Dharma points out to us that at the approach of inevitable death, nothing except the Dharma and having practiced good actions in this life can be of any use. Our fully occupied mind is creating the fully occupied life we live in where there is simply no time or mental space left. You might put work as number one, but there's other things about work. You need to leave space for Dharma. Even when we feel we are being a good Buddhist, we have confidence in Buddhist teachings and participate in Buddha Dharma activities. We must be awake to the more subtle ways in which our worldly minds can undermine us. In the words of the Tibetan Lama Geshe Acharya, Tupan Loden, former spiritual leader of the Tibetan Buddhist Society of Australia, 
in his book Meditations on the Path to Enlightenment, 1996. With the laziness of procrastination, you have a willingness to practice Dharma, but a sense that there is not time for it now. You postpone engaging in virtue until later. There are so many excuses. At the moment, I do not have sufficient intellectual knowledge of the Dharma to be able to practice properly. I will wait until the children leave home and then do a degree in Buddhism so that when I do come to practice, I will do so properly. Another may think, if I do anything, I want to do it wholeheartedly. I'm too busy to devote a high level of effort now, so I will carry on with business until I amass a large amount of money and can retire. Then I will be able to devote myself to the Dharma. Or else, you cannot gain realizations without doing a lot of meditation. I have no time at the moment to meditate because I have to nurse my sick old mother. When she passed away, I will have time to meditate. So I will practice Dharma then. There is usually a major misconception of what Dharma is and how to go about it that supports the attitude of procrastination. Never fall into the trap of waiting for the right circumstances to be able to practice Dharma according to some preconceived notion as to what constitutes practice. Whatever your present circumstances, they are perfect for you to apply the Dharma in the most effective manner according to your specific karma. You are a unique individual. Your circumstances are unique and you can uniquely apply the Dharma according to those particular conditions. Renunciation, the third perfection. Renunciation is the path factor which tackles our craving head-on. It can be developed with great power, power enough to put a crack in our worldly refuge and ignorant worldview because it is based on the truth and our coming to the right view of our real situation in human birth. The practice of the perfection of renunciation in Buddhism follows the perfection of dana, generosity, and the perfection of sila, morality. Renunciation is altogether an extraordinary blessing to our mind and our life as we begin to unbundle the dead weight we have been carrying around with us of our craving, dislike and ignorance. To develop renunciation, it is not necessary to leave the home life and become a monk or a nun, although the process of becoming a monastic suggests a person must already have got to the point where they willingly choose to not follow worldly pursuits and living a conventional life. Geshe Michael Roach, an American Buddhist Lama in the Tibetan tradition, has recounted many times the circumstances that led him to consider studying the Buddha Dharma and then becoming the first American to contemplate the 18-year Geshe degree under his master Ken Rinpoche's guidance. In his early 20s, having received a scholarship to Princeton University, USA, during the period of one year, Geshe Maiko's brother committed suicide and then his mother died in his arms. This double tragedy, which stopped him in his tracks, led him to question 
and then renounced the conventional lifestyle and belief system which he had unquestioned unquestioningly been following. Geshe Maiko has since said that quite a number of Western Dharma practitioners he knows personally came to the Buddha Dharma as a result of some sort of personal misfortune or tragedy. Whilst many Westerners have found the Dharma through many other means, it does illustrate that when confronted with a direct experience of harsher realities of life, some people will begin a process of renunciation, looking for something that makes more sense to them or that has more meaning for them. Obviously, there are many others who do not. Instructions and meditations to develop the first level of renunciation are found in Buddhist texts from every tradition. These meditation focus on such things as in this life, death is inevitable. In this life, the time of death is uncertain. At the approach of inevitable death, nothing except the Dharma and having practiced good actions in this life can be of any use. There is not a single place in the whole of samsara where there is no death. In this life, it is just as likely that I will die today than live until tomorrow. According to the Buddha's own words, to be born as a human being is itself inconceivably rare. Our unenlightened minds struggle to comprehend what the Buddha is talking about because we simply don't know the truth about our existence directly for ourselves. One Buddhist teaching likens us to being asleep in a house that is burning down but we are not aware of the fire. The Buddha is trying to get us to wake up, to get out of the house. The Tibetan takes parting from four attachment states. We should vow that we will make this human life that is free of the eight unrestful states and endowed with the ten right conditions, infinitely meaningful by taking refuge in the Buddha, Dharma and Sangha and developing the enlightenment thought. The ten right conditions referred in this quote are the conditions that will allow a being to firstly meet the Buddha Dharma and secondly to benefit from this precious meeting. They are number one, being born human. Number two, being born in a centrally located place having access to members of the Sangha. Number three, having sound organs. Number four, having not committed the five negative actions which produce fast negative results such as killing your parents, drawing blood from a Buddha, etc. Number five, having a sincere belief in the Buddha's teachings. Number six, having been born at the time when the Buddha Dharma is in the world. Number seven, having been born at a time when the Buddha has turned the will of the Dharma. Number eight, having been born at a time when the teachings of the Dharma are alive, not just an empty shell. Number nine, having other practitioners to set an example. Number ten, recognizing the need to depend on right livelihood. 
Five of these ten conditions are outside of our control, having been created by the efforts of the Buddha and his Sangha. These various teachings guide us to discover as a knowledge that we are right now experiencing the absolute best conditions possible. We are sitting on the greatest treasure that can ever be found. As the renowned Arya Bodhisattva Santadeva wrote, We are like a blind man who has stumbled upon a jewel in a rubbish heap. These teachings are also like a mirror that reflect back to us our wrong conceptions and attitudes, thereby giving us the possibility to correct or change them to allow our mind to become pure and clear so we can live a more wise and beneficial life. As we become more experienced practitioners, we can begin to recognize that although we have made the Dharma a higher priority in our life and maybe don't get caught up in the particular worldly refuges as we used to, we are still operating with minds or logic systems that cause us a lot of problems and difficulties. These are often more subtle traits which may be not so easy to recognize such as wishing to have control of our environments, such as our home, or have control over others who we live with, such as our husband, wife, or a partner, needing to be recognized, needing to be praised, having an aversion to being blamed. We might be too pedantic, too heavy or rigid in our views and reactions, too much of a perfectionist, and so on. These type of behaviours reflect that more or less we are still struggling with our own defilements. We require a level of insight into ourselves at this point and this is where having a Buddhist teacher to help can be a great blessing. The practice of investigation of Dharma needs to be well developed to help us navigate our way in developing more wholesome minds and to correct our view. There is a Buddhist story about the life of a Zen monk who lived in Japan in the 1300s. The monk had essentially practiced by himself, but after staying at an old temple in the country, he was asked to become the next abbot, which he agreed to do. He was a good abbot who helped the monks and lay people, and he initiated work to rebuild some of the old temples around his district which had fallen into disrepair. His name and reputation grew over the years and eventually the monk was asked to become abbot of a famous temple in a large city, which would be a great honour. However, after consideration, he recollected he had seen other monks be befriended by the rich and obtain many worldly benefits as a result. He chose to stay living a humble conditions in the country where he had lived for eight years, eating just two bowls of food per day. He chose to continue to restore some of the old temples rather than build new ones, which he could have done. There is the idea that new temples, new houses are better to live in, which we often believe today also. Yet, this monk chose to rebuild the old temples, which monks could live and practice in. It turns out that now 
Today in Japan, it is some of these old temples that monk restored that still exist and are national treasures of Japan. If you look closely at that story, you can see that the monk did not have work on top. He did not have Buddha Dhamma look like abbot of a large and famous Buddhist temple on top. He had Buddha Dharma practice on top, which is pretty heroic. May the merits of this article help all beings experience renunciation as a knowledge on the path to enlightenment. This concludes the teaching of the practice of renunciation. Thank you for listening to our Lifetimes of Learning podcast. To listen to our other recordings, please go to our website www.bdcu.org.au and click on Dharma Teachings. Or you can go to our online World Buddhist Radio station from our website by clicking on Buddhist Radio. May you be well and happy. May all beings be well and happy.